You're listening to the RUF at UT podcast. You're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And you are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. For more information, go to www.utk.ruf.org. Uh, we all turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We have been, this semester in RUF, we're working through this kind of series through the, through the subject of relationships, and my big overarching thesis has been that you were designed to be loved and to love as you relate to these kind of four primary things, as you relate to God, as you relate to yourself, as you relate to other people, and as you relate to the world, and we're, we've kind of been camping on how you relate to other people, and we're going to be here for a few more weeks, and... Um, we introduced the subject of dating last week, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I asked a lot of you what y'all thought, what were your reactions afterward, and I got lots of <laughs> interesting responses. My favorite response was this. Somebody said, I think I agree with what you said, Matt, but no one is going to do that. So it's like, at least we're honest here. This is just fun talk that y'all can just delete from your memory as soon as you walk out of here. Um, a lot of people said, uh, my favorite thing about last week was the story you told about the girl that killed the dog. And I was like, that was your favorite part? You should be concerned for you if that was, if that was the part that you liked the most was the dog dying. Um, so if you weren't here last week, let me just give you a quick little summary of what I said. I basically said that everybody intuitively knows that dating is by definition uh, temporary and it's fragile. You cannot guarantee that the person that you're dating is not going to wake up tomorrow and change the way that they feel about you. And so there, there is just this inherent, unavoidable uh, insecurity built into the thing of what it is. And so out of fear and out of our insecurity, we typically try to make the relationship feel more secure than it really is. And the way that we do that is, is we transform dating basically into a mini-marriage, we take all of the expectations and behaviors of marriage and we import it into this thing called dating and that's actually when we corrupt it and kind of mess it up. So we're going to keep talking about dating again tonight and we're going to step it up a notch. If last week was like dating 101, tonight will be like dating 401. <laughs> Senior level stuff here, people. But I do want to say this on the front end. I, I, I want you to know that I am well aware that this is a pretty sensitive subject for a lot of us. Like when, when it comes to the dating, talk about dating, it's fun and we can laugh about it. But there is also a lot of pain associated with this with people. There's baggage, there's guilt, there's regret. I mean, if, if we played a video of my dating experience tonight, like I would be fired. Like, like I, I would not... I would, I would run out of here in shame. Like, I don't want anybody to, like, date, my dating past, I've got my own, um, my own regrets and my own baggage when it comes to this subject. Some, some of you feel 
just the shame and the loneliness of having never dated anybody. And you really want to be in a relationship, and that just kind of hasn't happened for you yet. And so, there, so both sides of the equation, there's, there's pain here. So I'm going to tread lightly as we, t- we kind of take on some uh, sensitive and more challenging stuff tonight. But um, let's get into it. I just want to give you a reminder on the front end that the Bible does not say anything about the subject of dating. But the Bible does talk about love, specifically how we are to love one another. And so what I want to do is I want to just look at this little passage that Caroline read for, read for us. It's a famous passage out of 1 Corinthians 13. It's about the subject of love. And I am going to take little aspects of how Paul talks about love and try my best to apply it to four different kind of aspects of dating. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And we're just going to, I'm going to roll these out one at a time as we go. So here's the first thing of four that I want to draw out from this little passage about love. Here's the first thing that we discover about love. Love means that you pace yourself. Love means you pace yourself. Here's where I get this from. Verse four, love is patient. What is patience? Patience is the ability to wait for what you long for with a happy heart. That's what patience is. Patience is the ability to wait for the thing that you long for, but to wait for it with a happy heart. And I said this a couple, we, we, we talked about this at Sunday Night Fellowship, if you're there on Sunday, but I'll, I'll say it again here, but um, not too many college students get married during their time in college. Some of you do. You know who you are. <laughs> but not many of you. Most of you don't get married while you're in college because um, you are waiting until you graduate. Graduation is sort of the goal. You're like, I don't want to get married while I'm in school. Graduation is the goal. And that's great. You, you, you have put graduation as a higher priority over your life than marriage. And I think that's awesome. I'm for that. High five. Graduate. Get that bread. Do your thing. And, <laughs> but here's the thing. If... If graduation is the goal, and you know I don't want to get married before then, then you need to know that does have implications for when you date. And here's what I mean by this. Here's the, again, we talked about this on Sunday, but here's a situation that is all too familiar. Uh, you have cute freshman guy who meets cute freshman girl at orientation, and they kind of start talking, and they start dating, and then they have this conversation on the front end of their relationship. They say, hey, I want to do this relationship differently than I've done it in the past. I want to do this well, and I really want to take this slow. Which in my 10 years of campus ministry experience, that seems to be code language for, let's see if we can crank this up as fast as we possibly can. Because even though you have this conversation of, let's take it slow, we're hanging out every single day with each other. There's a constant stream of texts and snaps all day long between each other. Uh, we, we've told each other that we love each other after two weeks of dating. We're Netflix and chilling five nights a week. We're just like, this is what we're doing. This is life together, which is the opposite of slow. And so here's what you need to know. If that's how you date, you cannot sustain that level of intensity for four or five years as you wait for graduation to get married. The relationship is either going to be up to its eyeballs in sin or it is just going to collapse under its own weight, which means this. If you know that that's how you're kind of predisposed to date, 
This means your, your two options really are this. Option number one, you date radically differently. You don't turn it into a mini marriage. You keep it casual. You keep it light. You pace yourself knowing that like, wait, the goal is five years, six years way down the road, which means you pace yourself. That's patience. Love is patient. I'm going to wait for this thing that I long for with happiness and joy, but I'm going to wait for it. So you either date radically differently or option number two is you wait to date until you get closer to graduation. You wait to date until you're ready to graduate. <laughs> you can tweet that. I came up with it here. Um, which means if you're going to date seriously, that calls for a serious time in your life. And if, if, you're, if you know I'm, un, I'm incapable of, of, of not going all in physically, emotionally, like I'm going all in, dating is not for you until you're ready to get closer to graduation. If that is your goal, that I want to graduate before I get married. So that's the first thing, at least, that we see about love. Love means that you pace yourself. You're willing to be patient. You long, you're willing to wait for the thing that you long for, but with a happy heart. Let's look at another thing. Number two. Love means that you care about the other person's well-being. Love means you care about the other person's well-being. And here's where I get this from. Let's keep going. Verse 4. Love is patient and love is kind. Kindness is proactively moving towards somebody with compassion, with understanding. A kind heart is predisposed to want the best for somebody else. That's what kindness is. Kindness wants the best thing for somebody else. So really the question is, what is the best thing that you could want for somebody else? Well, as a Christian minister, my answer to that question would be, I think the best thing that you could want for somebody else is for them to come to know and to love Jesus. John 17, 3 says, this is what eternal life is. You want to know what life is? You want a fulfilling life? It is to know God and to know the one that he has sent. That's what John 17, 3 says. So to love, to relate to the person that you're dating in love means that you, ha- you are committed to that person knowing and loving Jesus more than they know and love you. That's what's actually best for them. So uh, this, of course, has implications for who you date. We're going to talk a lot about um, marriage in two weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about sex. So we're going to talk about sex before marriage because we're really edgy in RUF. Um, um, we're going to talk about marriage here in a couple weeks, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But basically, marriage is deep, physical, spiritual, emotional oneness. It's two people becoming incredibly, intimately one and connected with one another. So here's the thing. If Jesus is the thing that is at the center of your heart, if he, is, if he is your hope, if he is the one that you have tasted his grace and his love and your whole life has reoriented because of him, this is why the Bible says you should not be yoked together with somebody that doesn't share that same commitment, that somebody uh, that sees reality fundamentally differently than you. The, the Bible doesn't say Christians you shouldn't date or get married to people that aren't Christians because those people that aren't Christians, they're inferior, they're, they're more sinful, they're, they're more messed up than you are. That's not the rationale. The rationale is because it's actually it's just foolish. It's foolish for both parties. This is why the language is of two oxen being yoked together. If they're going in different directions, they choke each other. 
if you are someone that is um, a Christian, basically, if you're someone that's not a Christian and you're dating somebody that is a Christian, you need to know that you will never really be able to experience intimacy and oneness with that person. You understand reality fundamentally different than your, than your Christian significant other does. You, you, they will not be able to understand you. You will not be able to understand them. Intimacy is lost. And if you're a Christian, if you're dating somebody that's not a Christian, you will never be able to really experience intimacy with them because essentially the person that you're dating or the person that you're going to be married to thinks that the thing that is at the core of your being is ultimately a fiction. It's not real. So you're going to lose intimacy. Either you're going to get closer to God and and your significant other is going to be pushed to the outskirts of your life, or you're going to get closer to your significant other and God is going to be pushed to the outskirts of your life. Intimacy is going to be lost one way or the other. I think people don't typically think about you know, what it means to be a Christian in these terms. A lot of people think when you become a Christian, it's kind of like downloading an app. You just download a Jesus app on the, on the phone of your life. And so you kind of click on the Jesus app whenever you're at RUF or click on the Jesus app whenever you want to go to church or whatever. And so it's this convenient little add-on to your life. But that's not how the Bible talks about what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is when you embrace the gospel by faith, it's not like downloading an app. It's like downloading a completely different operating system. So how you think and interact with all the different components of your life are now radically different. And so if you are trying to build intimacy and oneness with somebody that has a completely different operating system, y'all are going to clash on a million different things. It's not just, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? This has implications for like everything. How do you want to receive encouragement when you experience suffering? How do, you, how do I want to receive encouragement when I experience suffering or hard times? How do we do conflict? How do we do forgiveness with one another? Uh, how should we think about how much money we should give away? Uh, how should we think about success or failure? How should we think about our relationship with our neighbors? How should we think about how much time we, we devote to caring for the poor? Y'all are going to answer those questions radically differently because you have two radically different understandings of reality. So, okay, then who should you date then? Well, let me just speak to the Christians for a second, Christians in the room. Here's here's who I think would be a good option for you to date. I think that it would be a good idea for you to date somebody that is growing in their maturity and their love for Jesus. Somebody that's actually growing in grace. Somebody who's so compelled by their love for Jesus that their life is is being... uh, reoriented and reorganized uh, out of devotion to him. That's really the most important thing. I know everybody in, the list, everybody in this room, we have these lists. We have these standards of kind of like, here's what we want in our person. They've got to be a certain height. They've got, they've got, to, be, they've got to have a good relationship with their family. They've got to love the Avid brothers. They've got to, you know, whatever. We've got like our list. And what, what our list is, if you think about it, it's really just... I kind of want this perfectly tailored person out there to meet my needs. But that's what, not what love is. Love is a concern for the other person's well-being. So uh, this is what it means when it says love is kind. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have standards. I know everybody in this room, you have these instincts. Well, I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle. I don't think you should settle. I think you should have standards. What I'm saying is that 
maybe the standard that's the most important, the standard that should kind of overrule and override everything else is, are they connecting with Jesus in such a way where they're becoming more humble? They're becoming more gentle. They're becoming more tender. They're becoming more self-aware. They're, they're able to talk about their flaws more frequently. That's what I think is really important. And while, while we're on the subject of who you should date, I'll, I'll throw this one in for free. If you want my unsolicited advice, I, th- I think that um, the best dating candidates for you would for you to date people that you're already friends with. And I know it just got awkward with the person you're sitting next to. People are looking at each other. There it is. Here's, here's what I mean. I, I think that you should... I think that you should ask out. <laughs> Everyone's like, don't look at me. I think that you should ask out your friends that happen to be of the opposite sex. And here's why I know you do, here's why I don't here's why I know that you don't do it. Here's why you don't do it is because you don't want to ruin the friendship. I know it's like if I ask that person out. They're going to, you know, it's going to be weird. They know that I'm going to like them. It's going to be awkward. Here's the inconvenient truth. That friendship has an expiration date stamped on it anyway. Sorry, it's true. You don't like it, but it's true. Here's what I mean. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Your relationship with your friend of the opposite sex, one of y'all are going to get married once one of y'all gets married, guess what happens to your friendship? No mas. No more friendship. So my point is, you're not going to be friends with that person forever anyway, so why not risk it and take them out? Because here's my point. Here's my point. You can risk blowing up and losing the friendship because you have a 500% chance and shot at a better and more fulfilling marriage and relationship with somebody that has already proven to be a good friend as opposed to some like smoking hot rando you met in a club that you just kind of get along with. You have a 500% better chance of a fulfilling relationship with someone that's already a friend than with a rando. So ask your friends out. Y'all can deal with that afterwards. Number three. Number three. Love means that you are other-centered. Love means that you are other-centered. Let's jump ahead. Look at verse 5. It says, um, uh, love does not insist on its own way. Some of the translations that you have might say, love, does, love is not self-seeking. Love is not bent inwardly with a commitment that you exist to meet my needs. Love is actually you being bent outwardly saying, I am committed to meeting your needs. I am committed to elevating and, and, and prioritizing your needs and your interests above mine. That's what love is. One of the healthiest, and in your opinion soon, weirdest relationships I've ever encountered was when we were doing RUF at App State in Boone, North Carolina, seven or eight years ago now. And there was this girl in our ministry named Meredith. And um, Meredith went to summer conference one year, and she met this guy that went to Georgia Tech named Mike. 
which is another good reason to go to summer conference, is you might meet a little, never mind, you might meet some <laughs> Whatever I was about to say was going to be weird, so I filter, filter. Um, you might meet somebody special at summer conference, so you should go. It's, this is the year to go. And um, so Meredith meets this guy named Mike at summer conference. He goes to Georgia Tech. She was going to school at App State at the time. And so they kind of traded numbers, and they started talking, and he would drive up to Boone and take her out on dates. And she, she said, this is, you know, this is great. She you know, allowed it. She likes him. She, he liked her. And, and he kept doing that. He kept driving up to Boone, taking her out on dates. And they were talking. And they you know, were dating. They started dating. And you know, however many weeks or months into this relationship, she's in class one day. And one of her classmates asks her out. And so she's a little torn. She's like, I don't know what to do. So she did something that's a little weird. And she told Mike about it said, hey, there's this guy that asked me out in class today, and I didn't really know what to do. Here's what he said. I'll give you the quote. Uh, He said, you are not tied down to me. I have no claim over you. And in fact, if there's a better option for you out there, I want that for you. If this guy could love you and serve you and meet your needs better than me, I am all in favor of that. So I want you to go. Y'all like Mike. Y'all like Mike. Here's a guy that is so secure in his identity in Jesus, and he was not threatened. He really said, I really do love you. I'm, I'm, I'm committing to your interest above my own. And so if this guy's going to serve you better, good grief. I'm for it because I want what's best for you. So how do you think that made Meredith feel towards Mike? Well, here's, here's what happened. We like this. We like this. (laughs) Meredith goes out with the guy from class. None of her friends understand. Like, what are you? Like, this is the weirdest thing ever. You're dating somebody else, and you go on a date with this random guy from class. Like, what are you doing? So she went went on this date with this guy, but the whole time that she was on the date with the guy, she couldn't help but always be thinking about him, always be thinking about Mike. So at the end of the date, man, y'all love this story. At the end of the, at the, end of the date, the guy says, hey, this was so awesome. I, I, would, you know, I had a really fun time going out with you. I'd love to do it again. Would you like to go out sometime? And she had decided by that point, like, hey, you know, thank you. This was great, uh, but I'm not interested in, in going out again. And, and the reason was, it's an honest thing you can say to somebody. I'm not interested in doing this again. Um, the, she, uh, her heart had been captured by Mike. And here's the fun story. I officiated their wedding, and now they have children. (laughs) Here's why I tell you that story. Because it is true, and it's amazing. Dating gets unhealthy... And dating gets corrupted when your desires become demands. When your desires become demands. You cannot demand anything from the person that you're dating. You are not allowed to see anybody else. You are not allowed to go out with that person. You have have no claim over the person you're dating. You can desire a lot. Things get icky when you demand a lot. The healthiest relationships that I've seen is when, the other, when, when somebody in the relationship or when both people in the relationship is other-centered. For you to say, I want what is best for you. 
And if this relationship is not it, man, that stinks. That hurts. That sucks. But, you know, if, if you think you're going to be served better outside of this relationship, then I'm for it. I'm for you. And I, and I, want, to, I want to support that. And so I'm going to release you from this relationship without any guilt, without any weirdness, without any awkwardness. You be free to go date people because I, I want what's best for you. I'm not naive. I, I know how hard that would be. I know, how, I, I know to say something like that and to release somebody, it, it's scary. It feels like death. This is why I think love is, is, is perfectly embodied in, in a cross. Love is you willing to put, your in, put the other person's interests and needs above your own, which is always hard. It's always going to feel like death. It's always going to feel like suffering. While we're on the subject of, of, of kind of parting ways, let me just kind of say this in passing before we go to point four. I, I've talked, well, I, I said this last week. Dating, I think what dating is, it's, it's two friends trying to figure out whether or not they should get married. That's what dating is. It's two friends figuring out, should we get married to each other? Christians have come along, and they've pressurized the thing by saying, you should not date anybody unless you know that you want to marry them, which I think is a little crazy because you can't know whether or not you're going to marry somebody unless you begin dating them. So you see this error come out sometimes when couples break up and when the couple breaks up and, and there's, if there's this kind of cataclysmic explosion. And I've had conversations with the guy before where he's so pissed and he's sad and he's angry and he's like, you know, she was leading me on. If she was not 100% in this thing, why, would, you know, why was she dating me in the first place? And it's kind of like, okay. I mean, I understand why you're hurt. It sucks. I get it. But you need to know, once you start dating somebody, there are only two outcomes to this thing. You're going to get married to this person, or you're not. And what dating is, is you figuring out which of those two it's going to be. But for, for them to get out of it, that's a real option. And so that doesn't necessarily, that, you, you have no right to be angry and to, and to be pouty over it because they were not 100% all in from the beginning. They didn't know. That's what dating is. You don't know. Dating, that's what's confusing and hard about dating is you go into it and you don't know. That's always the risk that it could blow up, or you could get married. But, dating, but love is always other-centered. And here's the last thing, and then I'll be done. Love means you assume the risk. Love means you assume the risk. Look at verse 7. It says, love bears all things. Love is the willingness to take on the burden for the sake of the other person. I talked about this again uh, the other night, but uh, I think the reason why guys don't ask girls out more often is because it's scary. It's, it's, it's you putting yourself in a vulnerable position that the other person could reject you. So we, you know, guys don't typically want to be rejected. It's not a thing we're into. So we uh, hang out with girls a lot, and we're chummy. We hang out in groups, and we kind of eliminate all risk to make sure the other person likes me first, and then I make my first move because we, you know, we don't we want to eliminate all risk. Girls, uh, we said this again the other night as well, but you are well within your rights to make the first move. You're well within your rights to ask a guy out on a date. You be you. Um, but I have talked to y'all, and many of y'all have told me, in fact, everybody, every girl that I've asked this question, you have said you actually prefer for the guy to do the asking. So I'm, I'm going to defer to the ladies and say, okay, that's what you prefer. So let's talk to the guys for a second. Girls, y'all can zone out for a few minutes. Boys, let's just talk you and me for a minute. <laughs> I want to help you 
have some really practical tools on how to ask a girl out on a date. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Because I really do want, like, I'm pro-dating. I think you should date. And I don't think it happens enough because it's been so pressurized and so intense. So, guys, here's what I think you should do. Maybe I'm old school and weird, but I think that you should talk to the girl in person or on the phone. Uh, y'all, maybe y'all like texting or DMing or whatever, but I'm just saying, <laughs> count me old school and weird and talk to them in person or on the phone. And when you talk to them, do not say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? That's not a good opening line because if they say nothing, then it makes them feel like a loser. Like, I'm a, I don't do fun things on the weekend. <laughs> I'm a loser. I'm wi- my schedule is wide open. <laughs> Be- but also, the flip side is, what if they really want to go out with you, but you say, hey, what are you doing on Saturday? And they're like, well, I've got that thing that I'm doing. And you're like, oh, okay, she's ghosted me. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> No, here's, here's where love steps in. Love steps in and says, I am going to assume the risk. I am going to bear the weight of this moment. I'm going to be clear and direct. I'm going to say, would you like, would you be willing to go on a date with me this Saturday night or whenever? And you say the word date. You call it a date because if you don't, then they go out with you and they're be- the-, the girl's becoming a CSI detective and in like... <laughs> Analyze the clues. What is this? Are they going to pay for this meal? Am I going to pay for this meal? He just grazed my shoulder. What does that mean? Are we going to make out at the end of the night? What is this? You call it a date. You express your, your, uh, you know, your intentions on the front end. And if that's what the... Okay, so now let's talk to the, guy, to the girls. If that's what the guy does, girls, you have two options. You can say yes or you can say No. <laughs> This is my personal opinion. This is not the Bible. This is thus saith Matt. I, 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 <laughs> I think you should say yes. I think if more girls said yes to fun little casual dates, more guys would ask. It would give them confidence. You get a free meal out of it. You got nothing to lose. <laughs> so you say yes. But here's what you can't do. You can't say yes if you really want to say no. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to the guy where he's asked the girl out and she said yes, but then there's this crazy, how do we schedule this? She keeps avoiding me. We can't figure it out. We keep pushing it back. And then when we actually go on the date and sync up our schedules, she's cold and weird and distant, awkward, always on her phone. Guys would much rather have you just say no if you mean no. You can't say yes and mean no. My wife just finished the book uh, by uh, Aziz Ansari, Modern Romance, and he says, uh, she was telling me about this one part in the book. He says, when guys ask girls out over text, which again, I think that's part of the problem, but it's the modern way of romancing, I guess. But, so he says, when, when guys ask girls on a, de- on, on a date and the girl wants to say no, girls typically have three different reactions. One is to ignore the text and just kind of make it seem like she didn't see it in the first place. Uh, number two, it's to lie about the, the reason behind the rejection of, I'm busy, I'm having surgery tomorrow. And, uh, <laughs> or it's number three, it's to be honest in, the, in saying, no, no I'm, I'm not interested, but thank you so much. And in, in the book, apparently, like the, the, the stats are the overwhelming majority of guys would prefer the honest rejection. But the overwhelming majority of what actually happens is the first two things, either ignoring or lying about it. And he's saying, we would rather you be honest. So, ladies, be honest. If you don't want to go out, say no. 
If she does say yes, um, then you take her out. This feels so <laughs> condescending. You take her out on a date. You get to know her. <laughs> and you have that be what it is. There's no strings attached. We're not committing to each other for anything. There, there, this is two people enjoying getting to know each other. It's a lighthearted, casual, fun thing. That's what love is. Love means that you pace yourself. Love means that you care about the other person's well-being. Love means that you are other-centered. And love means that you assume the risk. Now, look, I know we've, I've been joking, but what, but what I just said to you I know is very hard. This is why I said this is like dating 401. Like, this is hard, it's hard to love like this. Uh, our culture thinks that love is pretty intuitive and it's easy. This is why we have language of, of, of falling in love. Like love is just this pit that I just accidentally fell into. Like I couldn't help it. And, uh, but that's not how the Bible understands love. Love is this, is this grueling, active thing. It's not passive. It is something that you take on and say, I, I am going to passionately commit myself to dying for the sake of the other person. But here's the thing. This is the kicker. You cannot give away what you don't have. You cannot love somebody like this unless you understand, unless you have received love like this. So I want to end with one final story, and then I promise I'm done. Uh, A friend of mine told me about this story. There was this video that was going around on Twitter a couple of uh, weeks ago. Uh, A number of weeks ago, there was this tropical storm that blew through the Philippines, and one of the islands had this intense amount of rain, uh, severe flooding, but there was this couple that had their wedding scheduled for that, like, that weekend. And the the girl in in the video says, even if it floods or rains, nothing can stop me. And so there's this, like, iPhone video of this wedding, you can look it up, and um, it's of this church, this indoor church, with, like, you know, water up to people's shins, this, like, gross, murky brown water in the church, and you've got people in suits in the pews sitting there, and as the congregation with their feet in the water, and there's this, you know, string quartet up in the front plane, and the back doors open up. And here comes this bride walking down the aisle, sloshing her way through the water in her white dress and, and her, you know, her gown just kind of dragging in the water behind her. And she has a little like, person like, trying to help her with the, with, the, with the train of her gown behind her. And it was this, it was this amazing picture because she, it was this picture of aggressive, unstoppable love. She was like, I don't care about a tropical storm. I don't care about monsoon. I don't care about flooding. Nothing is going to stop me from getting to the person that I love. Don't you know that is how God loves you. Here we are down here in our loneliness and in our shame and our baggage and our regret and our guilt. And God says, I am going to come after you and there is nothing that is going to stop me from getting to you. Not your sin, not your failure, not your doubt, not even a cross is going to stand in the way between me and you. I am literally going to wade through the waters of hell and back to get to you because I love you. Jesus is the one that is patient. Jesus is the one that is kind. Jesus is the one that puts your needs above his own. Jesus is the one that has loved you like this. And really, what we're all looking for in a dating relationship is a love like that. Here's the truth. You have it in Jesus right now if you'll receive it. 
Once you receive it, you're able to give it away. Once you know that you are loved, then you have the resources to love. This is the logic of the Bible. We love because he first loved us. So really, my, my final thing that I would say is this. You want a healthy dating relationship? You, you, when you want a fulfilling dating life and a future marriage, the best thing that you could do, the number one priority of the thing that you could do would be to drink deeply of the love that God has for you in Jesus. To know that there is a love that will not let you go. There is a love that, that is so aggressive and is unstoppable. And when you know that you are loved like that, then you can give it away. Let me pray. Father, I know that um, we've talked about hard things tonight and um, in the midst of all of our pain and confusion as we wrestle with this topic that I know is, is uh, front and center to so many of our hearts, thank you that you're patient with us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you, uh, you pursue us and you will not let us go. I pray that you would help us to love others with the overflow of that love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.